It looks like it's live, so welcome to It's All Fun and Games, the official GameZo podcast. I'm Dan, the head writer at GameZo, and this week I am joined by my best mate, Ross. Ross, what's going on, buddy? Hello, buddy. How are you? I'm good. We're socially distanced. Yeah, still. Oh, man. Your background's... Yeah, I missed two weeks in a row. Yeah, your background's way better. I'm noticing the near poster. No, just you, the stuff behind you. It's been there. I know. I just I haven't really looked at it. Um, wow. And okay. I know I'm the worst. I've got like a back here somewhere. I got like... I don't you know. have like the generic like Target stock like bedroom layout on the website. I'm looking for like the live, laugh, love signs on like your wall somewhere. Oh, I don't have those. But if you watch my other streams, I have the um, bless this nest sign on my wall behind me. Yeah. So I got no, you. Bless this mess. <laughs> bless this like mess. Oh, dude. It's so bad. So, hey, an- another week, another podcast. We're on to episode four. They ain't killed us yet. No. Which is... Godlike. So we have um, a few things to cover this week. We have our standard, what are we playing? Um, we have some gaming news. We're going to talk about Gearbox not paying out bonuses, those bleeps. We have some <laughs> esports news, and then we have some closing. Um, quick housekeeping for this week. Uh, we, we still don't have a moderator to sit around on chat. So if you're watching, you can throw emotes at us. That's, that's about the best you can do. <laughs> Thing. Uh, I, I can't sit here and delete all your your bad comments or your obscene things that you draw like in assy art or whatever oh, that's the worst no, no mario with a, a full woman's chest <laughs> so um with that out of the way we'll, we'll get going ross what have you been playing what's new what's going uh, can, on in can, we, can we turn this to you real quick what, what have you been playing, Dan? Oh, Lord, nothing. Have you been playing video games? I haven't, no. You have um, not, no. I have been playing some video games. Uh, just nothing really new um, yeah. is the problem. So I'm still reviewing Grand Guilds. I'm still playing Starport Delta, um, having fun with that. They've Those guys have put out like seven or eight patch updates based on community feedback already since the launch, which is awesome. Uh, so that, that's been a lot of fun. Um, also kind of like low key beta testing and making sure things don't break when, when that happens. Uh, is he still mad on Twitter though? Nah, he's no longer mad. He's, he's okay. the man and he wasn't even mad. It was just like the feedback was so funny. Like people were comparing the game to Stellaris, which is a four X and this is a city builder. And also like Stellaris has like millions of dollars and a huge team and they have no money and no team. And it's just like, the compa- it's just like, apples to trucks you know like it's the worst comparison so that's what he was upset about is kind of and and or the negative feedback from folks that was like their steam playtime was eight minutes (laughs) it's like you i'm sorry like you can't really get a grasp on it i got to the menu and i was just cooked on the game already man i didn't want to play it exactly like stellar (laughs) so that that's rough um i've been playing a lot of sim racing i've been doing um divinity 2 with tom that's been a blast. Mm. We're, we're like getting deep into that story now. Um, really? Yeah. It's how, like, like how how deep in the game are you? Like we've played twelve hours. We had someone on the stream last night who's seventy eight hours in and probably still has like forty hours to go. So like we're yeah, not. I was gonna say, you guys play twelve hours, but like when I watch you guys play, you guys sit in the same area for like three hours. Yeah. And it's mostly because you're causing trouble. Yes. And Tom's trying to build you out. Then he, Tom builds you out. And then you put him back in even more trouble because you accidentally cause a fight because you want to grab something in front of a dude. It's so true, but it's it's getting better. So last night was probably our most 
like well oiled because now I understand the game mechanics. The worst part is just Tom running around grabbing stuff um, yeah. because he's like, oh, I'm going to go back here and get this thing or there's a secret thing over here. We just finished the fight that's going to let us leave the first island. You, um, got to, you haven't got enough tutorial island yet. It's not even tutorial island. So apparently there's like eight islands and each one is like a good chunk of time, like 10 plus hours a piece. So we're like on pace despite the fact that we really jacked it up in the first two. Uh-huh. Um yeah, and the combat's getting better and the uh getting more skills and like obviously any game as you power up. Um, but the fights are pretty hard and uh it's really learning how to like break the game based on the skills you have. So like if you stack the right skills, you can really kind of break things. So I have like a tactical retreat as a ranger. I can jump out, I can actually leave combat, sneak back in, regain the high ground, get opportunity attacks. Um, Tom can turn invisible, same thing. So as long as one of us stays in the fight, the other can kind of leave, heal, sneak back in, and we're kind of like breaking it that way. You need to understand too, the game's meant to be played with uh, like a team of four. Yeah. So it's usually one person controlling two bots, uh, or three bots rather. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We took a perk that strengthens us up so it's tenable to actually play the game as two people. Um, it's not how it's meant to be played. So I've been doing that. And then Bacon Switch, um, which is, I'm an idiot. I told you I'd tell you on, on the podcast. Yeah, okay, so here you go. Why are you an idiot, Dan? So I played this game at PAX, and it was really fun. The whole concept of the game is basically um, overcooked, but you're sacrificing dough to the bread god. So these little dough creatures that are super cute come out, and you have to collect them and throw them in ovens and bake them into bread. And then they go into a big bread basket. I see your face. It's great. It's and very they go, gruesome. They go into this big bread basket as baked bread. And you can do different things. Like, I can throw you the dough... Um, I can throw dough into other dough and make bigger dough, which gives me a multiplier when I bake that bread um, and, and that type of stuff. So it's a cooperative overcooked style game based around sacrificing dough to the bread God. Um, they sent me an email like last week and they were like, Hey, we know you loved it at PAX. Get in there, play it. We're going to send you a key. I'm like, okay, I'll wait for the key. So it's like a week later. I'm like, oh man, I never got that bacon switch key. So hmm. I can, I get an email yesterday from them. They're like, you're a dough ambassador or a bun ambassador or whatever it's called. And they're like, play the alpha key. We sent it to you. And I'm like, you didn't send me an alpha key. What are you talking about? So I like go back to my emails, like hidden in the middle somewhere unbolded is a steam key for this game. Hmm. So I got in there, but it's funny. So it's only in cooperative mode right now. You can only play the alpha in cooperative mode. So what I'm doing is basically hooking up two controllers to my laptop and then playing the game one person. Um, It's really fun. We should probably, I I think it'd be cool if we set up like Parsec and and played it four players or or something like that. Um, Because we can play four player cooperative, um, but it's only local. So you'd have to Parsec it. Um, But yeah, it's fun. It's, It's cool. It's another one of those games, you know? So, um, okay. That's what I've been playing. So is that why you're dumb? Yeah, that's why I'm dumb. You is because I, can, I couldn't find an email. I can't read emails. There's a, I'm disappointed. All these I was, people. I was hoping for something bigger. Yeah, all these people sending me keys and I'm doing nothing, nothing yeah. with them. So, so that's what I've fun. been doing. Yeah, I've given some away. Like there was a cool game biped that I would have loved to play. Um, it's like a two-player cooperative game. It's kind of cute. Um, I ended up giving it away to one of our writers because I just don't have time to to tackle it on top of all the other crap on my plate. So. What are you going to do? So that's what I've been playing. Have you been playing anything new? No. Oh, that's why you bounced all, it back to me. It's all the same stuff. <laughs> no, I've just, I've been going back, man. I've been, I've been on a kick where I'm playing older stuff. I've been playing some Game Boy Event stuff. I've been playing Castlevania, Aria of Sorrow. Oh, I've been beast. playing some, some Pokemon Conquest on the DS. It's tough times, man. 
I got nothing. It's, it is tough times. And I can only kill so many dudes in Call of Duty. Yeah. And like, it's tough because there's not a whole new slew of stuff coming out. Like we, we're going to talk to that. Yeah. We're, we're getting to that. It's um, it's a topic, but it's just like, I also don't have the heart to go and catch up on the stuff I missed either. So I'm in like this weird space where I'm like, I'm playing more games, but it's just the same three things over yeah. and over again. We did play tabletop simulator, um, that nemesis game, which was pretty cool. I know that's old news. So, I mean, tabletop's fun. It's on sale right now on steam actually. So if you like tabletop simulator, it is 10 bucks instead of 20. Go and get it. It's go really get good. It. Yeah. This play game was a Catan. Don't play settlers of Catan play nemesis. Nemesis was a lot of fun. It's like, basically alien the board game which is yeah which is dope so all right well that's what what we've been playing it's a really depressing week for that topic (laughs) (laughs) apparently um but we do have some stuff coming out or that that has come out so the first thing i have on my list is actually final fantasy 7 which we just i know it's not your favorite um which we discussed last week right they're kind of this can't control the street date it's going to release physically potentially before the date uh they can't really stop people from selling it before the date um and actually one of our writers david is in this conundrum uh he was talking to us in the discord group the other day he's like i have friends who already have the game physically that they ordered (laughs) online he's like and i can order it and maybe get it like two days before release but i also might not get it until after release He's like, or I can just buy it digitally and guarantee I get it on the day it comes out. So it's like this weird it's a gamble, man. That's yeah. real life gambling. You got to play with it. But High I think, stakes. yeah, what, I can't. The game's been out for 20 years. When yeah. can I play it? Um, but I think the most interesting thing about it, and we were kind of chatting and complaining about this beforehand, it's a massive file. It's 100 gigs or more. Yeah. Um, and the whole reasoning is the square people were like, we didn't want to reuse assets. We just made a lot of new assets. That just sounds like like pumping your chest or whatever. Yeah. It's it's we we remade this chair three separate times to make it more difficult for ourselves. By the way, this game, you know, you've been wanting it for X amount of years. We're spending all this time remaking chairs and remaking little assets in the background you actually don't care about. Yeah, it's up. That's why the game's so big. It's up there with talking about polygon counts and teraflops. You know what I mean? It's it's marketing speak. Yeah. My favorite. It's marketing speak. The bigger the file is, it's like, you know when Call of Duty came out, and I don't know if you remember this, but they took a bunch of um, a bunch of journalists behind closed doors. I think it was at E3, maybe. And they spent like an hour talking about the audio engineering of the guns. Warm. Yeah, that's like all they did. They were just like... They won an award for it, too. They, they did. And they were like, what we did is we put 342 you know, microphones around the muzzle of the gun plus one every meter, you know, out to the target. And we shot guns a bajillion times. And, um, same thing, like your average gamer didn't care. No, you know what I mean? Like I, until what it's worth, sound balancing is fucking awful in that game. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. It's like the, the sound engineering is great, but the balancing's terrible. Um, and the other side of it too, is like, even as a journalist, I didn't care until it came time to like do my pools and bet on what would win what awards. And then I was like, oh, they spent 30 hours talking about how good their sound engineering is. I bet they'll win that. They yeah. obviously focused on it. Um, and, and otherwise, I didn't care. And I feel like Final yeah. Fantasy VII, okay. yeah, Final Fantasy VII is going to be the same way. They're going to be like, you said, look at our 42 different chair assets. Isn't that great? <laughs> we we hand drew all the textures and then you know applied them and, and whatnot. So. Yeah, well, 15 was 100 gigabytes. Two, so they I didn't say anything about that. 
Yeah. And then it was 155 if you wanted to play it in 4K um, for like the uh, the Steam edition. Yeah. There was like a different texture pack you could download. So it brought it up to 155, essentially. Yeah. And I think the reason they're talking about this is because it is a PS1 game. You know, they're remaking. So it's like this big deal. You know, a lot of these PS1 remakes aren't huge. Like Crash Bandicoot, the trilogy, that game looks good. And it took, I don't remember the size of the file off the top of my head, but like it downloaded relatively quickly over Wi-Fi, you know? Yeah. Might've been like 30 gigs. So. I mean, so I think they're doing this because people keep Uh, nagging on the fact that they think the game's going to be really short or they think that there's not going to be enough in the game because they keep saying it's only like the first area of the game mm -hmm. and that for some reason they want to stretch this game again around like multiple releases and have it be multiple Blu-ray discs. Okay. Um, Episodic content. Yeah. I think people (laughs) are just worried that there's not going to be enough in there. So they just sort of flex like, Hey, it's a really big game. Yeah. That means it's long, right? Not always. It's like, um, what was that game? Days gone. It was, they were like, it's a 40-hour game. It could have been a 10-hour game, and the game would have been better for it, right? They just yeah. stretched it for no reason. Um, so longer isn't necessarily better. Um, and, no. and, and a bigger file size, like we talked, if you have thousands of unique assets in the file, like that's that eats it up. But it doesn't mean the game's long. It just means you have a lot of textures and, and yeah. scripts and sounds and different things, you know? Um, yeah, so. that's, that's why I bring it up. So it's because I'm like, if that's why your game's like a a bigger file size, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) 10 hours still, maybe if you're lucky. 10 hours still. But man, do we have a lot of different shares we can sell you? Exactly. So that's interesting. On the same Final Fantasy space. And I know this one's close to your heart. uh, Near and dear. Yeah. uh, Final Fantasy. Good Final Fantasy. uh, Even though our friend Tom decided to just crap all over your love of after games. this weekend i do not want to li- talk to that kid at all <laughs> he crapped he, on he has made fun of my favorite game he has made fun of my second favorite game and he is i'm sure he's gunning for three and four uh, he'll get there so he's he's dead to me as far as i'm concerned right now <laughs> but final fantasy 9 had a patch pushed that effectively deleted the game mm-hmm. which i can't imagine the only thing i can think of that i've had happen similar to this is years ago i think was it trend micro one of the antivirus software companies um, actually read like windows as a virus and would like self delete your system. <laughs> and it was just a nightmare. So I can only imagine going and like, I love final fantasy nine. Let's what the hell, you know? And, yeah. and you had some information on it. It wasn't, it wasn't a bug, right? It, it was like no. an incomplete patch that ended up. Yeah, pushed. I, th- I think, they they haven't said anything about it like officially, but I it looks like they went to push a patch, but it either a wasn't tested or they didn't push the complete patch through Steam. There's um I forget the name of it, but there's a website where you can look at all like the update information on each Steam game, mm-hmm. and it shows like what gets added in for each update. And for that update, it just like had nothing pushed. So like if you went to update the game, it would just have it would change your game to essentially nothing. Perfect. Now it's funny because I'm gonna I'm gonna spoiler alert for a 20 year old game. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. The final boss in Final Fantasy IX, his end goal is to quote unquote bring everything to zero. So everyone was making fun of the fact that oh he after 20 years he finally did his job. <laughs> he brought everything back to zero. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. But then he failed because 
yeah. team came in and 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 saved the day. Yeah, and I think it's really unique. Like the um the software develop development life cycle is so funny. You know, it's it, people don't realize how close you are to just like this type of thing all the time. <laughs> like if the if the if the controls in place around how you develop and promote and push software break at any stage. It's just like game over. It's, you miss one curly bracket. The game is just nuked. That, I mean, that is, <laughs> that's it. I've, I've had, I had a college project where I literally reused a variable like a dummy and um, ended up breaking the entire thing. Spent eight hours Oof. combing through trying to find where the bug was. Where was the bug? Why isn't it? Because there was nothing in the compiler, right? So if people who have ever touched code, if you go to compile your code and there's an error, it'll tell you where the error is. There was no error. The code was running clean. It just was not exhibiting the correct behaviors. So eight hours of just like looking for the fact that I reused a variable name. So um, it's fragile, people. This is why we pay $60 for for a game. Um, So yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. And it's, you know, it's funny because people get like mad like mistakes can't happen and it's like they fixed it it's not you know it's oh yeah these like if you read the twitter comments it's it's always the like lowest common denominator of people mm-hmm. yeah which I, I did for something we're talking about very soon oh no the the last of us oh geez i yeah. was reading twitter comments on that and it's just like bro what are you thinking like what goes Don't through do. your head when you fire off a tweet that's like you don't really care you only care about profits and it's like what do you mean? The one that bothers me is all the technical experts that are oh, yeah. like not, you know, it's like you go and you look at the thing and it's like, my job is marketing Love manager. Yeah. Like I'm a marketing manager for a local Hyundai dealership. And it's like, what, how, what, what's so hard about promoting a patch correctly? I don't understand. I can do it in my sleep. And it's like, do you, I don't know, man. It just drives me nuts. Like, I feel like I'm somewhat allowed to talk on the subject because I have like a, a large technical background, but I'll be clear where my, my lines limit between actual like production game development and just technical knowledge. There's, there's a huge difference, right? I've yeah. never worked at a company where I produce code for games. I've worked at companies that produce code for other products. And I understand that process, but there are unique things to the game development. So like, unless they're lying and it's come up where they've come out and they're like, well, you know, the real problem is server capacity. And it's like, mm, you're Activision, you're a multi-billion dollar company. You can get as many servers as you need in AWS. It's your net code. Yeah. Shut up. You know, <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. I, it's like the guy that calls in his sports radio. He's like, I played in high school and I'll tell you, they need to bunt more, play small ball. Oh, man. I it's have like, a, okay, whatever you say, bud. I have a funny side diversion i started watching the cw show called all american and it's about like a high high school football player it's i like it i mean it's a cw show so it has like way too many shirtless people and like unneeded (laughs) unneeded teenage drama but there's a great part where they go to a booster club and it's the coach talking to these people and every person's like what you really need to do is get into that wishbone offense you know what i'm saying you're gonna play those kids both ways and it's like the coach is like sure sure yep i know (laughs) um so that anyway, hurts, man, it's 2020. You I don't play know. Wishbone anymore. I know. I played Wishbone, baby. 2006. I know. 2006, baby. State yeah, that's why runner-ups. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why you lost that game. Exactly. You ran Wishbone down like 20. Ah, oh, good times. Sore, sore times. Moving sore on. Time. Moving on. Speaking of sore times, a divisive game. Resident Evil 3 launched. 
divisive game. <laughs> divisive. What do you mean divisive game? So this is what I've seen, right? I went in, I did a search. I wanted to see what like the average score was. And it was like, okay. I, I don't think it was the Metacritic, but I think the Google score was like a 60 or a 70, cool. like, which is... Yeah. Um, IGN gave it a 9. IGN Metacritic is like... Metacritic was 8-1. Yeah. Gamezo was 8-1. David did a review. He went through, he played the game. He loves the games. He, he said... Look, there's some issues. Nemesis is a little cheap. There's there's a little bit of jank. I watched uh, Co-Carnage play um, for hours, hours because I had nothing else to do. And, you know, you can see there's some jank. The game looks pretty good. Um, yeah. Nemesis does look cheap. But, you know, I, I felt like 8-1 seems really reasonable for a remake. Like, it's not the RE2 that everybody loved and drooled over, but it's, yeah. it's good. Um, but, yeah, it's very divisive because I... It's very hard. I think an eight one's a very solid score. Um, there's some people that are like, whoever made this game should be killed. Like, it's not what yeah. I wanted. Like, this is not the Resident Evil game I signed up for. Like, what Jill looks like crap. Total. The people who are mad. I'm not going down. I'm not going down that path. I know what you're about to say. I'm not going down that path. I'm, I'm not ju- doing the social justice <laughs> warriors or ruining the entertainment. I'm not doing that talk. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I'm not here for it. I don't so, care. Okay. So just to like close the loop on why Ross doesn't want to talk about this, there is a group of people literally mad because Jill is wearing a skirt and not a skirt in the game. A and that skirt? Is, yeah. is that what it's called? Yeah, it's like the, the shorts under the skirt. They're like, it's no. Like yeah. They're like, no, Jill wore a skirt and I'm mad because you didn't faithfully recreate it. Anyway, so people are divisive on this game, whether it's about the how they model Jill to whether or not they put the right costume on her to just the general gameplay, the chat and a lot of the streams I was watching were like, this is dog. I hate this. This is stupid. And then, you know, but they sit around for five hours watching it. Um, and then other people were like, this is the greatest thing ever made. I'm so happy that resident resident evil, you know, the games we grew up with are, are back and we can play them again. Um, I don't know, man, it looks all right. That's, that's how I look at it. That's how I look at it. It's it's funny. Cause I was, I was reading like a review for it and it was probably like three pages worth of review. And I'm like, okay, okay, we're doing good. We're good. And then like the absolute like bottom footnote of it was like, yeah, but she's no, you can't get her original costume because the social justice warriors ruined it. I'm like, I bro, I read three pages of this and now you're going to hit me with this. Come on, man. That's not fair. Lead with it. So I know to skip the article. Lead with it so I know to skip the article. Damn. Cause dude. I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, these are some good points. These are some good points. And then it's like, oh, now you just invalidated everything. Yeah. You just made it you're, terrible. You're a himbo. <sighs> but anyway, Listen, man, it, if I learned anything from Tom this weekend, it's that nude mods exist for games. So <laughs> thanks, Tom. Go find it, man. It's there somewhere. Appreciate, appreciate. You, you Tom. want the skirt back? I'm sure some kid recreated it and put it in the game. But mm-hmm. um, people. So this game was outsourced, unlike RE2, which was made, I believe, in house. So this was a different company that made it simultaneously as they were making okay. RE2. So it's kind of weird because RE2 came out end of January, mm-hmm. and then like two and a half months go by and oh here's here's another one i i think it kind of they kind of oversaturated mm-hmm. the uh resident Evil market i think if they maybe waited a little bit they, it wouldn't be like it obviously would be directly compared to two but it wouldn't have been hey we just played this two months ago and now you're gonna give, give us this which is a significant step back not because they just didn't care but someone else was making it entirely so yeah 
it just seemed like a poor decision. Yeah, and I was going to say that. I was going to say, didn't RE2 just come out? Yeah. Like, I, f- I feel like we were just praising that, and then I turn around, and it's, you know, very quickly we ha- we have this. And you're right, that's that's tough. And, like, the other tough side of it is people are still like, oh, why'd you make three? You should have remade one. You know, no, we want four. F- you know, like, yeah. everybody has in the fandom has their opinion about which one should be next to be made. It should be four. Yeah, and you're right. We remade one, like, three separate times already. Make one again. Do it. Make one again. Um, kind of dovetailing off of this, and I it did, it didn't get into the show notes, but um, we talked about um, Resident Evil Resistance last week being broken oh. on everything. They fixed it. You can get it on PC. Yeah, but so the, this is something else I wanted to talk about. The game is essentially four hours long, um, four to five hours long, right? Yeah, a lot of the game got cut out from what I see. A lot of like the original game. So I think. I'm going to preface all of this that well, I should have prefaced all this before. I have a very big irrational fear of zombies that I, I absolutely hate. Them. I, I hate zombies. I hate zombie shows. I've played probably like three or four Resident Evil games and like I hate it, but I enjoy the game and it's, it's like weird. I don't want to talk about it, but. um. So I guess the original Resident Evil three, a big point of the game was like the whole first half of the game is like you have to get the train going to get people out of raccoon city and then something else happens. And there's a bunch of puzzles that go around getting the subway car, you know, powered up and get it ready to go and all this stuff. So it's a huge like undertaking that you have, but in the remake, it's just, Oh, we go down this linear path, like minimal puzzles, no big deal. And then, Hey, subway's fixed. There you go. Um, it just feels like they cut out a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, God, I played two. Yeah, I played Resident Evil 2. I absolutely shouldn't have played Resident Evil 2. I can't. When did that come out? I was way too young to be playing that game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, dude. I, uh, Resident Evil 2. Okay, well, I'll, I'll filibuster for you while you look yeah, that up. Yeah, go for it. All right, so my problem with all of this is that the game is five hours long, essentially. It's a $60 game. A lot of stuff was cut out, and then we just kind of got stuck with this Resident Evil Resistance thing that we didn't ask for. Uh, if you've played any of the older Resident Evils, kind of like the newer ones, like 5, 6, Revelations, or whatever, there's Mercenaries mode, which is sort of like a like a cool RPG slash time trial sort of version of the game. Uh, that got cut completely, which, I mean, people kind of liked it. I enjoyed it when I played it, but it obviously wasn't the selling point of the game. That's gone, and now we have this random co-op online game that no one asked for, but it's included, and they kind of use it to justify the price point, which is kind of scummy. And then to couple it off with, people are probably only going to play this resistance thing for like the first one or two weeks of the game being out, and hey, there's a beta that everyone can download anyways, even if you didn't buy the mm-hmm. game. So it's just, I don't get it, man. Yeah. I think you nailed it. So when that. did Resident Evil 2 come out? 98, baby. 98. You so were way too young. I was nine years old playing Resident <laughs> Evil 2. My uncle was a, is still a huge gamer, and um, I, I'll never forget it. He was like, uh, I, I don't know if your parents will let you play this. He was, no. he was watching me. He's like, I don't know if your parents will let you play this, uh, but uh, this game is dope. It's like awesome. He kind of like slipped it to me. I went home. Yeah. And I, waited, I was like, oh, I'll play some games. And my parents were like, okay. I feel like your dad would be cool with it. Yeah. And then I'm I like, feel like your dad would be okay with it. And then I got no torn up by that. zombies like in the first two seconds. I was like, what the hell is this? Um, but then the rest of the series, I pretty much didn't. I 
I'm the same way. I'm like not super into zombie games or scary games. Like I've tried, I tried like, I really wanted to like, um, evil within, like mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I just, I couldn't do it, man. I don't, I'd look at it and I'd be like, I like this game. I don't want to be scared right now. I love horror movies. I just don't know. I don't know what yeah. it is about, about the video games. I just can't listen, do it. Man, I live alone. Oh yeah. That's it's fair. rough. It's not like I can listen. I, I work in healthcare. I've seen gross open wounds and ulcers and all that stuff. Gore doesn't affect me at all. It's like after I'm done with the game and it's nighttime and you know, everything's dark and it's like something, something makes a noise or I live in an apartment building. So if one of like the doors upstairs, you know, getting pounded on at 2 AM, I'm just like, Oh no, what's happening. What's happening. It's finally, it's the zombie outbreak. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I can't do it, dude. I hear you. I hear you. All right. It seems because I like that stuff. Like I like the silent Hill. Mm-hmm. stories and stuff like that they're they're enjoyable but man afterwards it's it's rough for me yeah that's where the the let's plays and the streams and that's like when growing up that's what i did i had a friend chris he absolutely loved those games i'd be like dude pop it in and i just i'd sit back and i'd let him play it and that doesn't affect like that doesn't affect me it's like i don't know i just get anxious and i don't want to play the game you yeah. know what i mean like i just don't want to do it so I, I play literally anything else um I don't know. Can we can we pivot to nicer games now? Oh, we've gory. we've got one more though. Last of Us Two. Uh, we're, we're like in, we're in the zombie chunk of of this entire thing. So, um, Last of Us Two, along with some other games, delayed due to uh, COVID nineteen. Um, Sony says that it has nothing to do with the game not being complete. Um, the, the game is on pace. It's just the supply chain issue, and they want to make sure that all of their fans are allowed to have the experience that they are meant to have at launch, which to me just says they're worried about people not being able to get the game at the same time and having things spoiled for them. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, It's, it sucks because it's like, well then just go digital. But like, that's really easy to say as people with like fast internet and external storage on our systems. Not everybody can go and download the, the well, game not even that people just like having the hard copies. Yeah. Stuff. And there's the collector's editions sake. and there's, you know, there's steel book cases and there's all kinds of other stuff. So I get that there was a small put on our tinfoil hats. People, there was a small conspiracy theory that like, because of we're dealing with a global pandemic and because the game subject matter touches on Ooh, that type of stuff, that? that Sony might be playing the, the PR game and making sure we kind of pull away from this thing um, yeah. a little bit before they release the game. That kind of makes sense. So, um, put the tinfoil hat on, you know, yeah, on. get it. There you go. There you go. I'm ready. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. It, maybe it's a combination. This could be like the conversation we were having last week about the systems, right? Maybe it's a combination of things. Um, you know, may, maybe it's, maybe it is the supply chain plus the topic. They're worried about not selling as many and not being able to get it out there at the same time. But then, I always go into business mode and I go, no, nah, this is the time to sell the crap out of this game. Like people are stuck inside. They've been waiting yeah. for it, you know? Um, but there's also like an astronomical, um, like height of unemployment, mm-hmm. which is also a thing. That's true. 10 million, I believe. Yeah. It's, it's usually, if, if you've ever seen that graph, it's like, it looks bad. It's like, oh I man, saw it's that graph. And then it just, I saw that graph and someone put the, uh, the GameCube starting menu music, you know, the, and then like it hits right as the, the graph spikes. Rough man, rough yeah. stuff. But it sucks. What are you gonna do though? We're gonna get yeah, it's, it. It's bad. I mean, the way I, I didn't look even at think it, about your point, that's actually like insane. Why would you release that game now? Yeah, and we've seen it with other games. I believe I'm trying to I'm trying to scratch my head on on one 
Um, we we've definitely had games delayed due to subject matter. Really? Yeah. Um, or not delayed or like modes put in. I'm trying to think. Crap. Wasn't there something like um one of the like the the Ghost Recon games or whatever had something to do with like Korea? We were almost like at war with them at the time. It might. It was the the Future Soldier, I think. Maybe. I had to. I'm. I'm probably just gross speculation and gross like forgetting, but I remember there was something to do with like the timeline or whatever in the game, and it 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 ends up being present day at this point, and it's like, oh, we're at war with Korea, and then as when the game comes out, we're very close to being war with at war with North Korea. Yeah, I think I'm doing a quick search. Yeah, I feel like there was one when we worked in. Um, the, I look up games delayed due to subject matter. The, the Last of Us, <laughs> The Last of Us, yeah. The Last is like <laughs> The Last of Us, Last okay. of Us, Last. Yeah, game okay, delays well, could happen. That's fine, but I'm I'm pretty sure there's got to be there's got to be some stuff. There's some stuff in here about like games being delayed due to actual like earthquakes in Japan and like that type yeah. of stuff. But I I feel like Homefront got pushed at one point because of the subject matter. Um, uh, yeah, maybe. That, that's. Uh, I don't know, man. It, I don't, don't really think it matters, honestly. Yeah. So anyway, it's a potential. On to happier times. Yay. But more speculation. More Super speculation. Super Mario Brothers 35th anniversary could be a really this, this fun time. What, this is what I like to call reckless, reckless speculation. Like, let, let's throw away our, our journalism caps and engage in some reckless speculation. Yeah. I want Mario 64. I want it up-resed. I want so many polygons. I want that thing looking like a fresh new Mario game, but with the entire Mario 64 okay, well, rebuild. What Let's Dan is talking about is supposedly want it. rumored quotation stars, asterisks, whatever you want to say. Um, this is the 35th anniversary of Mario. Um, I don't believe anything got announced back in March, like early March. So if you don't know, March 10th is Mario Day. So my birthday. Um, because MAR one O Mario. Pretty cool. A couple of years ago they um they changed Google like navigation for the day. It like turned your thing into Mario Kart when you were doing navigation. That's awesome. That was that was cool. Um but yeah, uh supposedly we are getting a Switch version of like a Mario All-Star collection. Supposedly gonna have Mario 64, Galaxy, Sunshine. There's rumors about a new Paper Mario game. Like apparently, apparently it's gonna be crazy in Nintendo. But when Nintendo is asked, we don't we don't comment on rumors and speculation. Yeah, and I joke. It's if we're being honest, it's probably gonna be more like the 25th anniversary, or was it 30th? The All Stars, yeah, the All Stars bundle pack. It was just like, yeah, dude, that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. Holy crap! Um, It was on the Wii. It was on the Wii. You're right. I remember people like fighting over that. They're like, I'm going to sell it on eBay. Spoiler. I don't think it went for a whole lot on eBay. Um, went for a lot of GameStop. Though. Yeah. Um, so like that was cool, but it was just recollected and reported. And it had uh, some of the original like hidden levels and stuff like that, that never got moved over. Um, I can see them doing that again. It's unfortunate because like, I like to watch speed runs sometimes. And uh, Mario 64 is a hot one. And like, I have this nostalgia because we were like in the third grade when that came out and I couldn't wait for second my birthday, grade. second grade. I was like, I can't wait for my birthday. I'm going to get an N64. My parents already told me I'm getting that Super Mario game. My buddy mm. Sean's got some Zelda crap that sounds dope. I'm going to play that. Like I'm, I'm in, I mean, we used to have to journal in class. I think the month before my birthday, I journaled about that N64 every day. Like I was in and like in my memory, that is the best looking game of all time. I was watching a speed run the other day. I was like, Oh, 
crap. Mm. Yeah. So um, that's why I joke and I say I would love like just a complete rebuild, make it look good because it's great for people like us who have the nostalgia around it. And, yeah. you know, we want to play it on an HDTV or monitor, whatever the case may be. But the fact is, if I give that to my kids, Nora's going to be like, dude, mm-mm. you've let me play the PS4. Like, you've, yeah. you've you've let me play games that look way better than this. Like, what is this? Like, my mobile games look better than this. They gave this. Tom a PS1 game and he couldn't handle it. I know. He's, like, melted down. I did it. We went to play Gauntlet Dark Legacy that night um, via emulator. And I was like, yeah. what is this game? I love yeah. this game. It looks so bad. So I'm I, used to it because I'm always playing old stuff. At, the upside is I think the 2D stuff holds up really well. Yeah. Like, I think all of that sprite work, it just looks great. It's when you get into the 3D stuff, like you see the limitations of each generation yeah. and it, like, it kind of hurts. Yeah, the N64 PS1 was kind of a dark era for that. Yeah. It's like where they first started, like all the 3D stuff, and it just is rough. Yeah. It's rough. Like if you see like old Final Fantasy VII and their hands are just like these weird, like just flat things mm-hmm. for their hands. And then like their wrists are like very, like very tiny, small. And then they just have like a giant bicep. It's rough. Yeah, they they were learning on the fly. Hey, it's all math. That's that's the fun thing. Is like it's people people look at. Uh, it's funny now. You know, you can look at all these different three D sculpting softwares, and it's like it's easy. Why did it look like crap? It's like well, they were actually doing like math to layer triangles into a mesh um, to make it look good. So you know, and there's limitations to that in in technology. So there's um there's a game on PlayStation One called Vagrant Story, and the way they created shadows for that game is they essentially had two models running like on top of each other and one of them was just lightly colored and that's how they did like sunlight reflections and stuff like that wow i mean it, it, hey it's a, it, an interesting like solution instances of each character running around to eat like at all times just melting the processor just yeah. the, the poor poor console it's just dying so yeah i mean i'm excited i hope they even if they just re-release them i'll probably grab it just because i love those games and oh, I'll, yeah. I'll still play them um if they up-res them in any way or make them look even remotely better, like that's great. If they if they come out, I'm telling you right now, if they come out and they're like, we are full HD remaking, like Resident Evil style, 64. Like style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're doing 64. We're 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 making um Sunshine and Galaxy. Sunshine and Galaxy. And Galaxy probably still looks decent today, yeah. honestly. Um it's we're like, redoing yeah. those like in the modern art style, full rem I will well, all all the rumors it. say that it's it's not a like a just a generic port. It's being treated as like a like a compilation game. Okay. So it's it's kind of it's like the also like the twenty five edition, mm-hmm. where you you get to pick from like the screen and it says like oh which one do you want to play blah blah blah. So it's not just like oh we're taking this like eShop version of the game and just putting it on Switch. So something is being done other than just moving files around. Yeah, that'll be good. I'm excited to see yeah. what happens. Hopefully, we get more more soon. Paper Mario rumors should be good. Yeah. Because those are very good games. Yeah. But I don't think they're true because Uh in those rumors, it specifically says they listened to feedback and made them more like the N64 version instead of the newer versions that everyone hated. Which I don't believe for a second. Oh. I don't believe they listened to feedback. You don't have trust. We hear you. We we hear you. (laughs) Yeah, we hear you, but. We're going to be getting into that somewhere down the line this show absolutely we can't i have to go off on a tangent i'm excited i'm so excited all right so super mario bros 35th anniversary we're getting old damn dude fifth birthday i got a super nintendo with super mario brothers world 
started this whole thing, man. Started this whole thing. Good times. All right. Rogue Legacy 2 was announced. This is not a huge news story, unless you're a fan of Rogue Legacy, which I am. So, um, that's it. Rogue what, Legacy what 1. What is Rogue Legacy, Dan? Rogue Explain Legacy for the, for the class. is a roguelite um, game where, uh, yeah, you, you go through and you play a standard uh, little night dude and you go through your castle and you die and you upgrade and you get weird abilities that you have to pick from and some can be negative and some can be positive so um it was kind of a, a cheeky fun roguelike game uh you could be mini your controls could be inversed you could have all kinds of wacky stuff happen so um yeah i mean it's, it's a roguelite if you like them it, with kind of like a wacky twist uh it's for you um and people loved it and now we're getting a second one I enjoyed it. It was a fun game. Yeah, that's what I mean. Definitely recommend. That, that's it. Like I said, if you like roguelite, roguelite or roguelike, you know, depends it's how kind you want of, to say if it. You're, if you've played Dead Cells, which is probably a lot more popular right now, it, it plays kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Where it's yeah. like kind of like the, the Metroidvania style. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's fun. It is what it is. It was, like I said, it was it was loved. And actually, I only saw it because... Um, I think, who was it? Oh, Colin Moriarty was like, yes! And I was like, oh, I saw that on Twitter. I was like, I also like that game. Careful who you name drop. Hey, look, I didn't say anything about the guy. I just said I saw his Twitter. All right. <laughs> Careful who you name drop. I know. Oh, there go all the viewers. Um, yeah. All right. So that, that was that super long, super important news story. Let us move into my favorite topic of all time. What is your favorite topic of all time, Dan? GameStop. Oh. Not again. I know. We can't escape it. It's, this should be it, honestly, for a while. I hope. God, please. No, because something, something else is going to happen next week. Because <sighs> they've exhibited that it can. the only thing they can do is just, like, tank their company. Okay. So, we live in Massachusetts. Yes. I'm giving away I'm giving our, away our position. They can airstrike us now. Or you just doxed us. I know. I doxed us. So, we live in Massachusetts. And mm. we both worked for this company. And so... We, there's going to be some anecdotal information in here at some points. Um, so GameStop, we went through the whole timeline, right? They were an essential business. They weren't going to close. And they decided they were going to only do curbside pickup. And then what I had seen some people I know who used to actually shop with us that are now working for GameStop. They finally <laughs> they made it. The they got it. Um, they were saying that things were very confusing because they actually went here locally. Um, they went from we're essential to your essential but curbside only to know your essential let people back in the stores for certain things to know use the curbside to um the massachusetts government actually classic gamestop fashion who told them like nah you need to stop and, and put that out like just stomp that out um and i thought it was really funny because you mentioned like if you go and you read the article about this the core store is in dorchester and now we're going to give some information about Dorchester. Dorchester so, is not a very ha- – it, it is the IRL, the last of us, mm-hmm. to put it quite plainly. So Dorchester is outside of Boston, and um, it's a rough it's a rough place. And that store has had some problems over the years. Um, this is the type of store that people come in and start the conversation by throwing stuff at you. Um, when all other GameStop locations in the area stayed open until 9, they had to close at 7. Um, because of the local crime, if you went to put out trash, you had to go in pairs of two as to not get mugged. Um, there was which a- happened. Yeah, which did happen. They Multiple had times. They've had the door shattered. They've had to 
bimetal grading to protect things. Um, it, it's just a mess up there. Um, it, that store is so bad. I was telling Ross the story beforehand and he told me like, no, you have to tell it on there. You, you have to tell them. This. There was a store manager that worked in that location who was like a two tour us Marine, right? Two tours in Afghanistan. He got into such a thing. I forget what actually happened, but he got into such a situation that when he quit, he told the district manager that I would rather go back to war than work in this store. That's how bad this store is. So That's this, rough, man. Yeah. So this store was the focal point uh, of the entire article. But I think what it ultimately, besides giving a fun anecdote, right, and the cease and desist lawsuits coming in any any second now, um, besides giving Bring a fun... Yeah, let's go. I got the power of games though behind me, baby. Um, besides the fun anecdote, I think the fact here is that we hear you... <laughs> was like such a terrible oh, that's right. thing because they, they were the ones that just kept saying, we hear you, we're going to help, we're yeah. going to help. And we actually, I guess, kind of praised them last week and said like, look, they, they're finally doing the right thing. It took a lot of pressure. It, it took the community. But the fact that they had to turn around and actually be shut down tells me that they were still, I'll just never unhear it on that conference call. So you're putting profit over people, right? Like yeah. 100%. Um, they heard us and we, we told them they were doing a good job. So they, they pivoted back to their old ways. Oh, we're doing good now. Okay. Let us go back to what we're doing. Oh, we're the problem, Ross. They heard the games of podcasts. <laughs> they had, they had positive no. feedback. Um, I hope they left us five stars. Me too. <laughs> and then unsubscribed, resubscribed yeah, and left five, more. Just five more stars. Yep. <laughs> we'll take it. 10 stars per person. That's how it works. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, I'm curious to see how many other States follow suit. Massachusetts has been pretty, aggressive on things um through this whole thing so i'm not surprised that that story was here governor charlie baker is not a gamer i love yeah i love i love charlie though we did have the the mayor of boston out there begging sony to come to pack so i think we're um he, oh yeah that's right <laughs> he was like please reconsider um so our government is at least somewhat gamers but anyway i digress that's that's the end of my gamestop rant and, and my little story. Do you have anything you want to add to that bit before we move no, on? No, I'm just tired of them, bro. Just go away. I know. Go bring, away, please. Bring back Babbage. We don't need you. I'm telling you. We really don't. Like, we, we don't need GameStop. We're, we're fine. I can go to Target. I can buy a game at Target. I can buy a game off Amazon. There is no incentive to go to these stores anymore. I spend more money on Steam than I spend anywhere else. There is, there is zero incentive to be inside a GameStop. In the year 2020. It's true. There, there's no reason. Unless you want to talk with somebody. Unless you're like lonely and want to talk to a 16 year old kid who generally doesn't care about you and like just kind of wants you to either leave or like drop him a reservation or bail. Damn. Tell like, no, none of these people actually care about you. Telling it how it is. Yeah, they, they all have numbers that they have to hit, right? And I think that the um, the being friendly thing is just a, you know, I don't know. Some people are friendly. Like, I had I had customers I genuinely cared about and liked. But for the most, you're right. Like, for the most yeah, part, I mean, you're just. Obviously. You're, you're being kind. You know, you're putting on your customer service face and you're getting through there. And, hey, real industry secret, nine out of ten times when you want to talk, like, the deep details of a game, the reason they're going, yeah, yeah, totally, man. Oh yeah, I love that part. They've never played love the game part. ever. Hey, speaking from experience as someone who never plays any of the games, Dan. Yeah. I sold a ton of games without ever touching them. What was my fa- my famous line? That game dude, gonna be awesome. 
That was like I was. Every game was coming it's out. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, what about that Michael Jackson Just Dance game? Gonna be awesome. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. So, um, anyway, onward and upward. E three survives. Twenty twenty one. We knew it's scheduled. It's reimagined. What's that reimagined. mean, Ross? Reimagined how? I don't. You, I don't know. You, you tell me. They didn't say anything. It's they reimagined. Just said it's reimagined. That's all they've said so far. Speculation cap back on. Um, I've okay, got, well, what's your speculation cap? Hold I, on, let me get my speculation get, cap. There you go. I've got to get all something. Right. Oh, you well, know what? What's the speculation? Hold up. I got my Thrustmaster. There we go. Specu- there go. Okay, speculation, what's, what's speculation cap. All right. So I think it's one of two things. I think we're either moving towards, like we discussed a few weeks ago, uh, pack style exhibitor based um, and and fan based experience or they're going to do a lot more online inclusion trying to balance it i got the headset so all right so that that's my speculation i think it's going in one of those two directions we're either going to get way more digital content tied into e3 so like sony doing their own thing nintendo doing their own thing everybody doing their own thing but it'll fall under this e3 umbrella um or and or it's going to be much more focused on us buying tickets, showing up, walking around, talking to indie devs, demoing games, and doing that type of stuff. Listen, the, these people still have GDC. They have their own little secret meetups they can do, their secret conference calls, and their their annual budget reports where they can talk about all this stuff. Man, just give it. Give. How about the think of the gamers, man? Think of the gamers who are playing your game. You can't. There's more stuff. You can't. Use more money. Yeah, exactly. Pop up your Square Enix shop and let Ross buy every chocobo that exists. Bro, hold on, hold on. Oh, we're getting we're getting like two I'll just I'll keep talking. So this was hilarious. When we were at PAX, Ross actually popped in to the Square Enix line. And- just let me be a gamer, dog. <laughs> let me be a gamer. Let me buy all your merchandise and go to your show. It's so Please. Tr- it's so true. But Ross ended up in the line. That's all That's all I had to say. That's perfect. But I'm just telling him, you ended up in the Square Enix line, and I couldn't find you guys because the, like, the line to play the game and the line for the shop like looked way too similar, um, and I didn't want to be the guy cutting. Um, and Ross comes out literally with a clear trash bag with like 22 yeah. chocobos and like 10 figurines that are probably above his desk right Ooh. now. See? Check, check this Figuring. out. Well, there they are, yep. Got there all the are. chocobos. I mean, I got some other stuff. We're looking good. See, yeah. so 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 Ross Ross wants to be able to buy more stuff. That's all. That's buy all more stuff. That's all it comes down to. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. We'll we'll see what happens, and I'm interested to see, uh, you know, still what goes on this year because everybody's dead set. We're getting the new systems, and even though yeah. there's potential delays on games and stuff like that, um, it'll be good. Yeah, but we have IGN Summer of Gaming. We do. We do have that coming. It's coming. So that's kind of E3, but not really. Yeah. They're doing what they are, and I know the the kind of funny guys were like, oh, dust off the script for our kind of funny game showcase, you know? Um, because these these are things that now can kind of thrive without E3 um, being formally there. So, the topic. Reimagined. I know. Reimagine, baby. <laughs> I hope they call it E3 Reimagine, like that's the tagline moving forward. Yeah. Um, so the main topic today, the, an article came out, um, Gearbox who makes the beloved Borderlands series um, based out of Texas, I believe Um, they uh, are in a bit of hot water because in making Borderlands three, they made promises to people that yes, you're going to be overworked. Yes, there will be crunch, but you're going to get profit sharing 
and you're going to get worth it. giant bonuses. Allegedly, people were promised five-figure bonuses. Not that crazy, but some people were six also figures. promised six-figure bonuses, yeah. which that's that's like like I know people who have worked at hedge funds that don't even get like I'm talking like seventy five thousand dollar yearly bonuses like cl- like yeah so a six figure bonus is a Must lot nice. yeah is, is a lot <laughs> of money um yeah it would be really nice and um as successful as the game has been and it's been profitable um they're like nah not gonna do it sorry thanks well, for all they, the hard they work didn't do, well, it just wasn't enough yeah it, so it never they- hit the threshold. They recruited a bunch of people saying things like, "Oh, in the past, people have bought houses with their year with their bonuses off of these games." So, it it's it's a unique like profit sharing model that they have compared to the rest of the industry, where they just they kind of pay like dirt and then just, "Hey, if the game's good and sells a lot, you'll you'll get forty percent of the revenue." Yeah, and it, it's a, it's a, it's almost like the sales model, right? Like most sales reps are paid a. Relative, it depends the industry, but like a decent base salary, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if you're selling software in Boston, for instance, you might make fifty thousand dollars a year as a sales rep as your base, and then you can earn as much as you want up to a cap based on how good you do, right? Um, if you're like a business development rep, which is one step below that, you might get maybe thirty-five or forty base, and then if deals close, you kind of get a spiff down from your sales rep, right? It's similar here, right? It's a profit sharing model. Uh, it's like working for a startup. You, yeah, your salary's not great, but you own a percentage of the company. Um, and they do pay less than most places it's known in the industry. And you can go on Glassdoor. And if I just look at a QA tester's making $11 an hour, like it's not a lot of money, man. Um, yeah. uh, a network engineer, close-ish to what someone around it's tough right because they're in texas and texas's economy starting to go up because a lot of people are moving software companies are moving from california to texas because of the cost of living so it's really tough to say like how far off the number they really are but it's low um same thing with like a programmer without any details around what you know what level of programmer that is 70k is not great for a programmer unless you're like a junior kind of programmer again depending on that kind of Pretty local low. economy. Um, so they do pay lower. Um, and yeah, I think ultimately this is like a good cautionary tale. And this is why on the show notes, I wrote gearbox salaries, comma, and the comma. state of working in the gaming industry, right? Yeah. The gaming industry is a very unique industry in that there's a very small number of guaranteed jobs. Like there's vi- the, the number of people who are on staff at a lot of these places is low. And then when they're making a game, you end up on a contract usually or a hire that with the understanding that you're only going to be there until the game ends. Right. So if you're a QA tester, you might only get a six month contract to QA a game. If you're an artist, you might only have a nine month contract on a two year cycle because they're going to have you do all of the art up front let's say like the yeah. modeling or whatever so it's it's a difficult industry because you're bouncing around a lot and there's usually high salary associated with that in a lot of instances um because you're bouncing around a lot right everyone's a freelancer a exactly mercenary. exactly so like in the gaming industry based on the people i've talked to you have like three basic things you can do you can go sit at like a sony or an activision or one of these super large companies out of college chain yourself to a desk and just do like bug reports and stuff until you climb up 
and then eventually maybe you start working on some stuff that's fun and interesting and you get some say in, um, you could kind of do that for some time and move it into a middle, medium sized to small company. And then you'll have a lot more hands-on experience, but you're going to be much less stable. Um, you know, you could just go right into a middle-sized company and just start doing kind of the freelancer contracting thing. Hope you stay on, but if you don't, you're just going to bounce around a lot of those projects. Um, or you can go make your own indie game or any combination of these things, right? Like maybe you start at a big company, then you make an indie game, and then once you've released the indie game, you go and work for a medium-sized company, yeah. whatever, right? Make, like your own, make your own way. Exactly. So there's, there's a lot of different ways to go through this, but those are the main paths. So I can see ultimately here, like if you go Gearbox, Borderlands 3, big game, profit sharing model. It's your chance. I'm going to take the salary that's 20K below what Activision was going to give me, right? Let's just say. But that's okay because I'm going to make that back plus a multiple when this game crushes it. And then the game crushes it, but like due to how the companies run and where the profit and losses and, you know, balancing the books, like it turns into five grand or like a pizza party, right? It sucks. And I, I get the outrage. And um, it's a, I guess what I'm ultimately getting to is trying to work in the gaming industry is one big risk. Like there, there, yeah. it, there's not a lot of stability there. Yeah. I mean, like the real problem with this is that they had to make back all their costs before they even saw a, a, like a cent of royalties from 2K. Mm-hmm. So they spent, God, I forget the number. I think it's like 140 million on, like, with the game combined with the DLC. Small chunk. That they, yeah, small chunk, right? <laughs> so supposedly the big cost for them was halfway through they switched from Unreal Three to Unreal Four. Yep, that'll which do it. Destroyed their development time. Destroy, like, obviously you're spending more time developing the game. It's more salary and stuff you got to pay and all that other stuff. But going from three to four. And then I guess it was a deal with 2K that they had to pay back all their costs before they saw the royalty. So that's it's a whole other issue mm-hmm. if they're making these contracts that eh, sometimes you got to assess whether or not it's the best in your best interest, whether or not you can make that 140 mil back and then have enough profits to sort of meet all your needs and meet all the promises that you've made to these poor people. Mm-hmm. It's It's rough, man. Like these people crunching six seven six seven days a week probably like 10 12 hours thinking man when this game releases i'm going to get a check for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars it is gonna make up for two years of salary almost for a lot of people mm-hmm. right just for just for working on a game and then you'll have that nice cushion and then you can kind of go find your next game that you're gonna work on or whatever and it's it's the defl- it's <laughs> it's kind of like when you um when you do your taxes and you're just like oh man i'm gonna i'm gonna make x amount and then you go to h&r block or whatever and they're oh yeah so you uh you owe like 200 dollars, and it's like man that, that threw off all my plans i was gonna do xyz with my my sweet government check yep i have i have one that's um hits closer to home um and, and i can empathize so my current job when i signed on um I negotiated a one-year retention bonus. So uh, basically they said, um, we can't meet your salary needs, but what we can do is we can get you pretty close and then we'll give you a a five-figure generous um, bonus if you stay for one year, right? We want you to stick around and build the program and we 
don't want you using us as a skipping stone to get to someone who can pay the salary you're looking for. So, which knowing you was very smart. Yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's go. We'll, we'll negotiate this bonus. And how a retention bonus traditionally works is when you hit your one year anniversary, your corporate controller goes and they write a check and you get your thank you for being here for one year. So my one year came up and I said, Hey, how is that getting paid out? And they said, Oh no, no, no. It's going to be part of your bonus cycle. And I was like, no, no, that's not how a retention bonus works. Like you're supposed (laughs) to give me that money. When I hit a year, the bonus cycle is not for six more months. That's a 1.5 year retention bonus. Right. And they were like, well, sorry, miscommunication. You're definitely getting the money. It's just going to be in in six months. They swindled you. Meanwhile, I'm on a project that's killing me for 10 hours a day, six days a week. Um, and you know, I, am I going to get that money? Am I not going to get that money? I'll tell you, I did start looking, you know, for, for a new job. It, it bothered me. Um, in the end, uh, bonus cycle came around. They gave me that and like times two point something for all the hard work, which was great. You know, they came through on it, but like you said, if, if you are told when you're signing a, a hiring contract that you're going to make presumptively this much money at this time, and then it doesn't show up like, you know, it sucks. Like, it doesn't always happen. Like not everyone gets your ending. Exactly. So you get that, here's your thing. And then here's like the sorry we messed up multiplier. Exactly. So like, you know, like I, I said, it worked out great for me, but like if it had end, if the story had ended in October, like that's the story these people are going through. So I know yeah. how that feels, you know? And like you said, I've got vacations planned, Christmas coming up. I'm, you know, I'm spending this money in my head. Like, you Don't know, say the C word. Bro, it's April. I don't want to hear a C word right now. You gotta. Do you have your savings account? I got my savings. Fifty bucks a paycheck. I got. I got kids. They might be yeah. here. This kids. Um. So <laughs> gotta start putting that away early. But yeah. So I 100% get where they are, and it's kind of look. Recruiters are can be scummy. I don't want to say all recruiters. I've worked with some good recruiters. It's their job to get you interested by saying things and by saying things like. Hey, people this game's going to be awesome. Yeah, this game's going to be awesome. Or <laughs> people have bought houses with their bonuses in the past. That's an easy way to bring you into the fold without ever actually necessarily promising you anything in your contract, right? Yeah. Which which is different. Like if it just becomes a legal problem if in the contract they say, "Hey Ross, I'm going to give you $100,000 when Borderlands 3 sells a million copies," right? And then they're like, "Sorry, I can't afford it." Like, too bad. We signed this piece of paper. You're going to yeah. give me my $100,000. Um this is just a uh, Where's Randy? Yeah, this is just copy like the a, check, Randy. It, not, it's not, it's not <laughs> a good look, unfortunately. Um, I think the worst part is that potentially these people could a not get their bonus and b oh hey we're laying a bunch of people off because you know COVID. Not just that, but like the game's over. What's next? Yeah, right? Game's like, over. like I said, that these cycles they high they up staff, yeah. and then the game's finished, and then they down staff. And it's just, even if it's not a, con- a contractor position, like a lot of times you might just get hired and be there for a year and a half, two years. And then they say, sorry, layoffs games out. Bye. Yeah, well, I mean, there's DLC that they have to work on. Yeah. So that's good, but I don't know. It, it sucks. And it wasn't a good look for gearbox. It wasn't a good look for the industry. Like this isn't the first story like this that has come out. Um, I, it probably won't be the last, you know, we had CD project red a few months ago. Like, yeah, we're going to absolutely crush our employees. Sorry. We said no crunch, but Sorry. it's happening, you know? So it, it's just not, it's, it's a tough industry, it's a tough industry to get into. It's a tough industry to work in. If you can get to the top, you know, you'll get to make the things you want to make and you'll make good money. But like it, 
it's definitely like adversity and perseverance along the way. I mean, for CD Projekt Red, they're they're in Poland. All their cities are essentially covered in a giant smog bubble. What else are you going to do? Just stay inside and make a game. It's true. And they have very good <laughs> – most people don't know this, but Poland has very good engineering programs in their colleges. So you get like a lot of MIT-level engineers, but like economy-wise – like someone we pay like two hundred thousand dollars here, you can get for like literally half price out of Poland. <laughs> like it's it's just like very good programmers for like seventy the fifty to thirty percent less like uh, on the salary, which is the, the secrets they don't want you to know. Yeah, <laughs> get yeah. cheap work in Poland. Uh, sorry, I've I've worked on some freelance projects where I've needed things done, and I've got like things I thought would cost a thousand dollars done for like two fifty out of Poland. So nice. Um, it is what it is. Now, it's just rough, though, because you know. games games are in, like this weird phase. Well, it's not really a phase. It's just games are really expensive to make now, and the price point isn't going down. And we're expecting more and more and more and more and more out of these games, mm-hmm. and we want them to be even better and have all these features and have all this integration with all these other components and network play and DLC. Oh, and if your game is shorter than 10 hours, we will crush you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's rough, and it's it's like this weird kind of bell curve where you're either Rockstar making these incredibly high-cost, high-reward games like Grand Theft Auto V, or you're Ross and Dan making an indie game with no overhead, but making 10 grand, and ooh, wow, what a profit we made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know. Like I was talking to some guys at PAX, and they were like, "Yeah, the game's coming out. Uh, you know, early critical acclaim's high. Like, you know, people are loving it in the beta and the alpha. Like, we're really excited for it. We might be able to use this this success to make a second one." I'm like, "Oh, you guys are ex- like expecting a bunch of money?" It's like, "No, we just think we can probably get an investor based off the success of the first yeah. one." I was like, "That's rough, man." And they're all work. They're all working other jobs, right? Like, yeah. I'm working on an indie game in my spare time. It's a challenge. I've never made a game before. I know how to program a little bit. I can learn technology, whatever. But like, I'm working 45 plus hours a week doing my day job. You know, I'm doing this. Then the side hustle, yeah. I'm doing games though. I'm writing for games though. I'm doing the podcast. I'm streaming. I'm doing the whole like media thing. And then I'm making a game on top of it. And it's like, I'm the only one investing in that time, money, yeah. anything like, you know, when it comes to music, I'm gonna have to hire someone to do music. I don't do music. Like when it comes to like art, I'm gonna have to hire somebody to do art assets. I don't do art. I program, I do game mechanics. Like that's what I can do. Right. And so even if I turned around and that game made $20,000, like the amount of time and effort I put into it is worth way more than anything that yeah. comes out of that. So it, mm-hmm. it's tough. You're playing that um, almost like viral video game where you're like, if my game can be the next Braid, if it can be the next Fez, if it can you know, be these you, big... You are severely dating yourself with those games. I, I'm doing it on purpose because they're some of my favorite older games. Um, yeah. Older indie games that like kind of the earlier... Right, let, me, let me throw you a life raft, Undertale. Undertale sucks, bro. Even Undertale's five years ago. I know. Um, I feel like we haven't had like a really explosive um, indie game that I can think of. Like, uh, okay, recent, uh, super. Slate Aspire, Dead Cells. Oh, Dead Cells. There we go. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, yeah, and they're all playing that game, um, and, and hoping that allows them to hire more people into a studio and gain investment, and then build the next bigger, better game. Than, than they're working on once you um, make your game you're not done exactly you get a bug fix that thing you get to push updates you've got to you know engage with your community it's you, you can't just hot drop a game and be done with it yeah it's not dropping some, I mean, some people do but yeah 
You're not supposed to. Passive income. Passive income. Drop the game, make the money. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a tough industry. And um, that's, I mean, that's the end of that. It's, it's, yeah. it's crappy. I hope all Good those luck. people get something. Maybe, like I said, a pizza party. And then <laughs> Pizza party. The classic. Yeah, the classic. You guys work so hard. Here's a pizza party. Um, all right. So on to esports. I need a, I, I need like a bumper that's like, Ma, get the camera. You know, like yeah. it just like slides over. Um, so the first thing on the list is uh, Lemon Nation test positive for COVID-19. I know you knew very little about this person um, today. So, League of Legends. Yep. League of Legends player um, helped start Cloud9, was a founding member of Cloud9, um, and is now a manager um, of, of another team. So, um, so I don't, I don't know what he does. Head of events, whatever. He's head means. of events. Um, I don't know what events he's heading right now. None because none of, of COVID nineteen. They're all canceled. So it turns out, I believe it was his roommate, significant other, tested positive, and then he started getting some cold like symptoms, and and he therefore tested positive. It's a news topic because it's like the first person in the esports world to to, to like. Oh, Long Island Joe. <sighs> Long Island Joe tested positive like a week ago. Okay, but no one cares. So, yeah, I know no one cares about fighting. <laughs> so, so it's like the first big, I guess you would say, like, and I would like I, I want to consider it big in that like I didn't really know who this person was, but like, yeah, the the pedigree on him makes he's a League it. of Legends player, so by default he is quote unquote big. Exactly. So, um, that's that. We wish him well. You know, we we Go don't well want soon, homie. We don't want anyone to uh to, to get this and and have it. But there you have it. He does. Um, so we'll move on. I'm going to hit the Ross talk about Rainbow Six for a few minutes, but um, <laughs> Ying gets a patch to make. It's uh, not just Ying. Well, Ying was the She's, big. Okay, no. So oh, this bigger one. Okay, Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six patch. Boom. Okay, I'm going to preface this with I have over 2,500 hours in this game. This is my main game. This is what I play like consistently the most. This game is very important to me. Um, so recently, Rainbow Recently, Ubisoft's been doing this thing where they push updates to the test server. They they do the we hear you thing where they collect all the feedback and then they're like, okay, well, we're just going to do this anyway. We're just have fun. And recently, they've been kind of puffing their chest out by saying, oh, we're making all these changes and our pros hate it. But if the pros hate it, we think that's good because we're, you know, we're changing the the game and we're making it uncomfortable for them to play. And we're not just kind of adhering to what they want us to do, which I mean, that's fine. I understand it. But for people who don't know the game, there's this character named Ying. Her gadget is that she has a flashbang that she just kind of she rolls around and it's an incredibly powerful flashbang. Flashes the entire room. No, you can't see anything. You die. Um, they go from giving her three of those three of those little flashbangs to four, which is a very benign thing honestly i think it's fine but the other things that happened within the patch notes are kind of the more damning things um there's this character named mozzie and right now he is an absolute terror in competitive play and high rank play because he has this gadget that hijacks your drone if you don't play rainbow six siege um the most important thing in that game is that all the attackers have drones where they can pilot a little RC car on the map and gather intel for their team. The game is very defender-sided by default, so being able to, as an attacker, just kind of 
free look into a room and, you know, not risk your life is very important. So this character hijacks three drones. In terms of balancing in Rainbow Six Siege, if a character has a gadget that's pretty powerful and very like oppressive, usually they give them two. In this patch, they downgraded Goyo, who had a gadget that was really powerful from three to two. So that's like they're doing okay in terms of balancing at this point. People have been asking for that for probably three, four months at this point. And we're finally we're finally getting the Goyo nerf. Um all of this is significant because Ubisoft has this thing where they kind of they put a character in quarantine when it first comes out. So competitive quarantine, it is not allowed in pro play for like a four to five month period. And in this period, they kind of gather everyone's opinion on whether it's too powerful, whether it needs to be tuned, what adjustments need to be made. And the problem with Goyo is that they they did the we hear you thing and they just didn't do anything <laughs> until now. So Goyo has been played in Pro League for about three, four weeks, and it's it's off because there's just there's so many things as an attacker you have to deal with in terms of breaking down utility, getting rid of all these cameras, getting rid of all these little gadgets on the defenders. Oh, and by the way, you still have to plant in three minutes. So have fun. Um, Mozzie, so he has this gadget that's really powerful and it's really awful. You lose a drone, the defenders get the drone and they can pilot it around and do whatever. He has three of them. So by default, you think, okay, you know, bring it down to two. Problem solved. Maybe get rid of one of his secondary gadgets, swap them around, you know, tune them a little bit, no big deal. They decide to quote-unquote nerf him by removing his secondary shotgun. Not his main gun, but his secondary shotgun. Makes sense. This is important because you, as a defender, you use like shotguns and stuff like that to blow out, you know, destructible walls, make rotates, you know, renovate the renovate the defender site to make it like easier to play and stuff like that. So knock down walls that you can like rotate between uh, rooms and stuff like that. So I love Mozzie. He's probably one of my favorite characters to play. And he's just like generally a fun character to play because there's so much you have to do. You can play him in so many different ways. You can use his drones, his, uh, his drone stealers. You can kind of throw them around the site and just sort of anchor down. Or you can run to like a side of the map where you think they're going to come in and set those up and kind of have like your own your own little home base defensive perimeter where you can keep yourself safe. And then he has, he has that shotgun so he can make his, make his exit from like hatches and stuff like that if he has to. So he's just like this general, like fun character to play. And Ubisoft has made him not fun, but still made, like didn't touch what made him strong or annoying. And everyone of course complained about it. All the pros complain about it. All the casters complain about coach, like literally everyone in the pro scene is complaining about these patches now, and it's not positive. So when when I saw this, I kind of wanted to turn this into a different topic. And for the last year, we've been talking about how well Rainbow Six Siege kind of pivoted for being like an awful game and fixing it and like fixing it to make it good and playable. Mm-hmm. And now they're taking all of this like good graces and all this you know, well wishes that they have received and they're just tanking the game. Um, I follow a lot of people in the scene on Twitter and social media and I day in, day out, it's just complaints. I I do not see a positive thing being said about this game for the past like couple months. All the pros hate playing it because the, the anti-cheat's horrible right now. Um, Ubisoft does this thing where 
if there's like a new hack or exploit or whatever, they don't touch it. They don't ban any of the accounts. So they let these people run rampant for like two, three months at a time just so they can collect data on the exploit. So they, instead of just banning Jimmy for having like a, like an aimbot or whatever, they want to, they want to get data on this aimbot and then let these people run rampant for two months at a time. And instead of just banning Jimmy, they can ban Jimmy and all of his friends. Great. The game, the game just consistently remains unplayable. And I honestly haven't touched it since Call of Duty came. Yeah. uh, Warzone. That's funny because, um, that's a big problem on, uh, Warzone now too, at like the higher tiers of the matchmaking. Um, there's just there's a ton of that. The the difference being that Call of Duty has no anti cheat. I completely understand collecting data, so you have a model where you can like very quickly determine if someone's cheating and then just ban them via software, and then you don't have to kind of go through a review process and whatnot. Which is kind of what Call of Duty is doing right now. If someone's cheating, you have to report them. Someone at Activision has to sit down and watch the clip, and they have to figure out is that obviously cheating or not. <laughs> um, are you but, just mad or are they cheating? Exactly. So like, and it's funny because a lot of the guys playing at like those higher tiers, especially streamers, you got your, your nade shots, you got your doctor disrespects, those guys. It's funny because they're like sitting there and going, I can't tell if that was just a good shot or if that person was cheating because there's no anti-cheating software, but to have anti-cheating software and then completely and this is becoming like an anti-cheating software segment now, but um, you, you can collect data in a meaningful way without letting it run rampant for a period of time. Right. Yeah. You can, ban little Jimmy and take all the data of what he was doing and then use that to flag or help you flag other accounts and then collect data off of those accounts and then have those manually reviewed and ban them. It sounds to me like it's really just a system by which they don't, they can save on overhead. And like, here's the problem though. When they ban people, it's not an IP ban. Like they just ban the account and this game goes on sale for like six bucks every, at least once a month. Mm -hmm. This game goes on sale dirt cheap. You buy 10 accounts for 60 bucks and then you just run rampant for the year mm-hmm. because they're not going to ban all 10 of them within like a year period. Yeah. So it's just, it's not fun. It's awful. That's unfortunate. And I'm, I'm taking this whole, I hate Ubisoft right now thing and I'm pivoting it towards Valorant. I know that's like three things down the line, but I'll just go I'm, make, I'm, make the turn. Va- okay. Valorant's where it's at. I'm, I'm skipping the poor overwatch hero who literally no one cares about. Cause that game is just dead. I, I, I know it's like popular in Overwatch League, but the, the game is awful. It's not fun. Not for long though. Um, okay, so Valorant. I don't have you watched like any Valorant stuff at all? Yeah, I watched like nonstop streams trying to get a key. Yeah. <laughs> did you get a key? I did not. I got mine. I know. I was relying yeah. on you to get the key. I I went in and watched in the hopes that if I got a key, we could play together a little bit. But yeah. I still hope. I didn't worry. I was I had like four different windows running simultaneously. Oh, that's it. I had like twenty. Oh yeah. I was just like I was. Mil- I, I wasn't feeling that extra. I'm not that desperate to play it. I was melting my RAM, bro. But the um the thing about Valorant that kind of makes it stand out, it's not. I think I've said this before in like a previous episode, but it's just the game itself isn't what makes Valorant really good. It's the fact that Riot is. We hear you, but they're actually doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So their servers, 128 tick rate, on. Every single game, every single public match, every single custom match, 128 tick rate server, which is incredible because that's literally 10 times the amount that Call of Duty has. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what tick rate is, it's anytime you've played a shooter and you have died behind a wall or 
you have shot a guy and in the kill cam, you did not shoot at all. This fixes that. It's tick rate. Yeah, it's basically it's, the, it's, the it's lag very between important. the two. I don't know, like, the actual technical what it does, but it's that's essentially what it is. Mm. Um, did you have anything to say about Valorant? Yeah, I mean... Um, Before I hijack it. Yeah, so I'll I'll say my piece on Valorant. Um, people are saying this in a derogatory way. It's like Overwatch meets CSGO. There's nothing wrong with that. I hate it. I hate that people are putting Overwatch in there. I know. I know. Um, it looks really fun. I think that the heroes or the agents, as they're called, that they showed look really interesting. Um, I think that it's going to be really interesting to start to watch the meta and how they combo off each other. I like that it is a like hard tactical game too. Um, it took me 70 hours to like not be total dog in rainbow six. So I mean, total, like we're talking yeah. like, okay. I came you back. At, I came back after a year and got a kill in my first game. All right. Like not the, not the worst, not good. <laughs> um, so I appreciate there being a skill cap and a learning curve in a game that's difficult. Um, it keeps all the little jimmies away, which is great. Though I think Valorant's going to be so hot when it first comes out that there's going to be plenty of little jimmies. There's a ranking system, which is like necessary. Like yep. you, you have to have a ranking system. The fact that Call of Duty doesn't is like we talked about this last. I know episode. it's the dumbest thing. Um, and I, you know, people knock the aesthetic, but I think I think that aesthetic to the game, um, that more cartoony aesthetic. Um, it's inviting. It's like playing in a comic book, um, which is cool. I like that a lot. Um, and I think the final bit on that is there's going to be so much microtransacting around skins. You can do like so much more when you don't have to have kind of realistic looking um, skins. You can go really fantasy yeah. or really comic book. Um, and I, I love skins. I, I will not lie and say like, I've never spent money on skins. I've put a fair amount of money into paladins. I've put a fair amount of money into almost any Yuck. game that uh, has skins that I've played for a fair amount of time. So it looks good. I'm interested. I know almost all of my friends have no interest in playing it in the long term, um, but I'll play it when it comes I mean, out. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it, how it plays. I mean, I'm definitely interested in it. It's just, I don't, I don't think it's like for me because I'm, I really don't like Counter-Strike. Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy it. It's not fun. Um, I don't understand why people were complaining about the art style. Like it's it's Riot, it's League of Legends. I don't know what you expected. Like, did you expect hyper realism tactics, Navy SEAL man? No, you weren't gonna get that with, with Riot. Never. But no, like the thing is all when I first saw it and I first thought that it was gonna be like heroes, abilities, obviously you get kind of worried. But a lot of the a lot of the skills are just basic like utility, just mm -hmm. being put in a skin i'm not a skin uh like a skill a skill slot yeah it's, so it's like molotov smokes they're kind of they essentially end up being what these skills are mm -hmm. which is fine um i like that oh another thing that was really important about valorant is that both teams have the same weapons have access to so like a big problem with counter-strike is that part of the balancing of the game is that the counter-terrorists and the terrorists have different weapons so like the ak's the one of the better rifles and uh, only the terrorists can get it, so you kind of have to rely on killing someone and picking it up as a counter-terrorist. And then there's the the random gun with the scope, like the SG or whatever. The I forget what they call it, the Krieg, I think. And both sides can get that. But essentially, having both sides have the same weapons is good. Um, I always get worried when I see stuff like that because, like Call of Duty, 
I don't like games where there's like 10 guns, but only one of them is really good. And the other nine are just kind of like, eh, you, you like they're okay, but you'll lose to gun X mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. So like in Call of Duty, it's like, oh, if you're not running an M- M4 and MP5, have fun. Yeah. And I think um, one thing I didn't mention is I like that economy system because it brings yeah. that level of strategy to the game as well. You know, if you're, if you're going to have, what is it? Uh, 12 on offense, 12 on defense. I think ooh, or is it, or is it I, 12 total. I think no, no, no. Cause it's, um, I think you have to win 12. Okay. I may be wrong. Cause I know in Counter-Strike it's like 16 or something like that. Okay. But anyways, the, the point is like what you said, do you, do I play around with just a handgun so I can save up and get the AK or do I go with a, a gun that's moderately yeah. uh, effective in that regard and, and save up Which as you, you go? Yeah. So, um, I like that aspect a lot to it. And then like you mentioned, I think all, all of the guns being available to both teams um, is interesting. I also, I forgot to mention this too, but I think it's interesting how you can buy certain skills and then other ones you have to earn like your ultimate yeah. and whatnot. So anyway, I digress. There's like items you have to pick up. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting because there's, there's like this item that you have to pick up during the round or whatever to get like an ultimate charge. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of play around it. And it's, it's interesting. Um, what I was going to say is when it comes to people listening to feedback or whatever on Valorant, another thing, Rainbow Six has not had a name trainer for the entirety that it's existed. It has had damn near minimal way to get better in the game. It's had, if you want to practice throwing a grenade or if you want to practice, you know, throwing utility in certain places or in Counter-Strike, you can pull up a custom game you can set it to load the the tracer that shows up where you throw your grenade. You can refill your grenades in rainbow six. You have to close the game, restart it back up, start it like start a new lobby, go back in. If you only get two grenades and you, you damn well better know what you're doing with those two. <laughs> Cause if you mess it up, you got to restart the gate. Well, not restart the game entirely, but you know, back out, start a new lobby, set the thing, go back in. And it's just, they there's just a problem with improving in that game and they have done nothing mm-hmm. and the most they've done is remove the guy from terrorist hunt that blows himself up and takes two headshots for some reason and that's we've man we've really improved our, our terrorist hunt um but in valorant there's a whole like training section where there's like a target practice you can pick up any gun you can set the you can set the target to different distances you can even change your sensitivity like on this console that it has. So like you kind of shoot, you, you shoot like on the console and you're like, okay, well I want it to be five meters away. So you shoot the five meter checkbox and it, it pushes the target back. So on this thing, I can like shoot it to increase my sensitivity, shoot it to decrease my sensitivity. And it's just, it's very high user friendly, high quality of life. There's even a little training section where you can practice diffusing the bomb so what it'll do is it'll put you in like kind of like a bomb site and you can set it to easy, normal, or hard or whatever. And it'll place AI bots in certain places that are kind of gener- generic places, like angles that people would actually hold. And then you can set it to like, okay, well, give me X amount of time to defuse or whatever. So then you can practice these post-plant situations where, okay, well, I'm in a 1v3 situation. I'm going to go run this and, you know, I'll, I'll pre-fire this. I'll check this angle or whatever. And you can, you can just do that. And then I can go back and test another gun without having to load in and out. And it's just what makes this game stand out is that it's incredibly user-friendly and incredible high quality of life. 
it takes all the problems that all the other games have and just sort of, okay, here, well, here's how we fix this. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. all we need. That's yeah. all we need. And that's that stood out to me so much. Um, I think I even sent in our personal Discord, um, yo, this game's going to have its own aim trainer. Like that's yeah. that's awesome. Like I, there's other great aim trainers. Um, you have to be a little. You got to work with it. You got to put in your the game you're playing. If it exists, you might have to use a, a tool to convert your sensitivity information into the game, so you can set it up so you can practice it correctly. Like it, can, it never feels right because it's not the actual game. Exactly. So having a game that you can go in and you can say, okay, my DPI is 400, my sensitivity is I don't know what you play on zero. Um, you know, and then you just kind of like you shoot and you mess with it until it feels right in that game. Um, that's huge, especially for like someone like me who doesn't play a lot of first person shooters. I like to spend a significant time, a significant amount of time doing aim trainer, even if it's a third party application, just to get back into the swing of things. So I don't feel like I'm spending my first four hours just catching up. I might play an hour, a few times a week Um, to be able to go into that game and say, we're going to play it on a Friday to go in Monday, play 30 minutes in the aim trainer, go on Tuesday, play 30 minutes in the aim trainer. And then my Friday, my settings are set. I feel good. I might not still be good, but I don't feel like I'm treading water with the controls at least, yeah. you know, that that's huge. Um, and then if you want to go that extra level and actually practice and improve, it's there for that as well. So. And especially like in a game like that, where you have one life each round and you exactly. can't respawn. So you, you're trying to practice You're you're waiting three, three minutes in between each life. And, you, you might kind of get screwed. You might just shine the back and, oh, I didn't get to practice that round. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. Siege does. Yeah, all the time. So I'm I'm excited for it. I'm I'm going to play it. Um, I know you have the beta key, so you're... you're Can't wait. Your plan for next week or your your mission is to play the crap out of that game and then yeah, the, the, topic of, of it. the topic of next yeah. week's podcast will be like... So I, I, will, I will have my Valorant section next week. Yeah. Um. Oh, God, what was I going to say? I'm blanking out. Go... Talk about something for a second. Panic, panic. Um, okay, no, no, no I, I got it. What I, what I wanted to say was, if you don't know, you can get a Valorant beta key if you link your Twitch account to your Riot account through Twitch settings. And from there, you watch any Valorant stream with drops enabled. And you can go on the Riot website every now and then and check and see if you have beta access. It'll say, you got it, or hey, you don't got it. Here's how you get it. Go to these streams. So get it, have fun. The game's going to be free to play anyways, but play it now. Why not? Yeah, and like I said, their whole monetization structure there is going to be like it is with everything else. Buy skins, buy characters, buy that type of stuff. Hell yeah. Which is fine. Because even like, and before we go into the next topic, League of Legends did a very good job of like, you can just play the game and unlock everything if you just play the game enough. It's a pain though. It is. If you're lazy like me and you just want that thing, like then you can just go buy it. And then like the skins kind of same thing. So um, I I feel like they have that economy and that system set up pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Again, I think it'll be good. It's funny because I was watching. uh, Well, they had, they were going to have the, uh, the Valorant event where they flew a bunch of people over to riot office and play (laughs) the game. Obviously couldn't do that. So they just had these people play, online for a weekend so if you have like a favorite content creator or a favorite pro player slash streamer you might want to check their youtube they probably have some of their own footage that they finally were able to put up on the third which i think was thursday or friday thursday yeah yeah no friday no it was friday it was friday yeah friday friday everything is like today tomorrow <laughs> yesterday Ex- i don't i don't know the actual dates exactly um yeah so check youtube i know Dan Dan has a hard on for Nate Shot, so Hundred mm-hmm. Thieves has their own 
has a bunch of like YouTube videos on it already. Um, I was watching Shiko, who is a, a top Rainbow Six player, and he was absolutely shredding through all of these streamers and Call of Duty kids and Apex players. It was funny. At one point, I was watching, and he had he had twenty one kills, and the next closest person, the entire server had six. Oh, jeez. He was he's an absolute monster. So go go look up Shiko, S H A I I K O, the oh. god. Get it. All right. So Valorant. We moving on. Russ is a dog in the hallway. Um, oh, are they? Let me let me because he is very loud. Um. So, oh no, you muted and then I went away. I'm back. All right, there we go. Um. All right. So the the next topic we had was the new Overwatch hero Echo. Um. Oh, I have a cat in my room. Hi, cat. Um. Looks cool. Um. Oh, computer's dead. Laptop's down. Didn't have the power source. So, um, I didn't have any notes anyway for that. So she's cool. She has kind of like a, uh, main attacks, a three shot burst. So, uh, it's just like a triangle of, of three energy blasts. Um, she has a sticky grenade and then she has, I know Ross loves this, a beam that does way more damage if the character's at less than half health. Um, and then her ultimate is pretty dope too. She can actually make a, um, a perfect carbon copy of a hero from the other team and play as that for a period of time at 650% alt generation. So like if you have someone, it is, it is straight 110 Dalmatians outside right now. So I am sorry. You are, you are on your own. <laughs> All right. All good. Every time, every time you mute, it just puts only your face on the screen. It's excellent. Um, so yeah, so it, it's really cool. People are excited for it. I know Ross is excited. Um, the character looks to be very combo based. It's a DPS character, obviously. So it, it looks like there's a pretty slick setting of, you know, oh, and she can fly. So you kind of like fly, hover, Ross is the only face again. Shoot him with the... I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm trying to mute and then they keep barking and I have to mute again. But the problem with Overwatch and the reason I hate the game is that nobody dies. And this character actually makes people die. And that's why I like her. Yeah. Oh my God, please stop. <laughs> the worst. So um, there's. it looks like there's going to be a lot of different combos that you, you can hit, kind of fly over people, hit them with the three shot, um, blast, sticky bomb them. Once they're half health, beam them melt them get out of there um same thing you know maybe if you're in a team fight you can you have your ult you go you grab their um tank or their dps or something like that and 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 let it rip so that's uh that's the new overwatch character people are excited um for her um that's that's all i got dalmatian boy you want to add anything to the end of that i think i think they finally sorted out hold on let me this is bro (laughs) live podcast legit Four dogs in this car parked right in front of my window. Damn, dude. Damn, what dude. What is going on? All right. Anyways. Are the windows shut or open? Do we have to call, like, the police? Oh, their, their windows are open. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so if, if you – I don't know if you want to add anything on, on top of that. No, I already said. The, the problem with Overwatch is that it's, it's boring as hell to watch because no one dies. There's Every character is, like, eight different shields. Um, I really hope those dogs be quiet. Um, yeah, so no one dies. It's boring to watch because no one ever dies. Um, it's it's literally just if you ever watched Overwatch League, they just they sit around and stare at each other for forty seconds at a time. Someone someone does their ult finally, one or two people die. They get to push up two inches and then they just stare at each other for another forty seconds <laughs> until someone gets their ult. It's boring. It's it's so unwatchable. It's so unplayable. Maybe this character will make it fun. We'll see. We'll see. Um, the only other note I had for this week, 
and I just I I'm loving it. Um, this this thing I can mute myself for and be fine because I don't talk anything about this. Yeah. This is all you. All right. Soapbox in three, two. Yeah. Soapbox three, two, one. one. Um. So let me, uh, let me mute myself ahead of time. Do it. I look at Chuck in the background. That is a gorgeous cat. Look at that cat. That's Chuck. She's. I love her. Or well, what about for the podcast people who are going to be listening to this? They're oh, oh. Do theory of the mind. Oh, sorry. My 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 cat Charlotte, who we call Chuck, just climbed on the bed, like straight up struck a pose, poked her head, and she's doing it again. She just keeps. She wants to be on stream. She needs to be famous. Let's make you famous, yeah. Chucko. Anyway, so one one thing that I've been really excited about, and I've, I've mentioned it a few times over the last few weeks, is. Um, a lot of things are canceled, like legitimate sports, right? And um, NASCAR was one of the first to kind of come out and say, let's use sim racing. We'll put on a real show. They put it on Fox, um, and it was it was very successful. They had like a million people watch it. It set the record for the most watched televised TV uh, eSports show in America. Um, since then, there have been a number of other streams, Veloci eSports. Um, F1 has done their own eSports um, game with some drivers. And that was kind of week one. It did pretty well. Week two, we got more of them and more active drivers, actual drivers on the streams doing it. And we've even seen active drivers starting their own streams for the first time, which is and getting really good viewers, like 400 viewers after doing it for two days type stuff. Um, 9,000 viewers for people who've been doing it for a while. Um, now we're starting to see uh, like the Porsche Super Cup is doing their own iRacing or sim racing league. Uh, IMSA, which is another big one, they're doing their own league. Um, I saw the Dirt Outlaws doing their own thing on Fox the other day. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because it's been so successful over the last three weeks. We're getting uh, ex-champions. Actually, right now, the F1 one's on. You've got Jensen Button, who was a... uh, uh, an F1 champion. He's racing with a current driver. There's like five other current F1 drivers. Literally, like 25% of the active grid is playing esports um right now and, and and getting views and on tv and stuff it's it's wild but this is where it kind of goes to ross now you're starting to see other leagues figure out how they're going to figure out to do this right and um the nba now wants to set up a, a televised game of horse between players but what they're going to do is have them all live stream from their home gym as the only one in their gym so like you're going to have like steph curry you know whatever do something and then lebron's going to try to do his thing in his gym over here and it's going to all be live streamed and figure it out so i really wanted to talk about uh because some reasons dear and near to my heart i wanted to talk about how well they're doing and how many more people were seeing sign up to it and buy gear and how many i have friends that are coming to me and saying what do i buy um which is great but I also think it's cool because it's really pushing the rest of sports forward and how they can do things in this time that aren't just NBA players playing NBA 2K, right? They're looking at how do, how do we find different interesting ways to keep people watching sports. And as Ross and I have talked, it's being driven a lot by Fox, who is starved for content right now. Um, so they're really, they're really driving it. But um, it is an esports topic. It is an interesting topic, and I just love that every week I get to talk more about kind of what's what's going on. And, okay, the and, car is finally pulled away. Oh, he he's back, baby. Um, the dog mobile is gone. Thank God. Perfect. So that's kind of the the end of my my thing here. I just wanted to talk about how cool it is that normal sports and esports are melding. And again, I I brought this up last week, but this is only pushing esports into the mainstream, right? The, the more yeah this happens, the more normal people um, 
who would just normally watch basketball start watching streaming mm-hmm. events and people who would just normally watch racing are watching streaming events and they're seeing how interesting and competitive these things are. It's only going to fold esports in, into the mainstream more. So that's, that is my soapbox. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No. Um, okay. So for the NBA, there's okay. <laughs> the funny thing is that there's a 2k tournament between NBA players. Mm-hmm. But it's seeded based on their 2K rating, which if you've ever played a sports game, you know that the, the ratings are usually pretty far off in some cases. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny to see who's highly rated over other people. Very inaccurately, I might add. Yeah. Um. So there's a, there's an eight-man 2K tournament with God. I think we've talked about this the last episode. It's like Kevin Durant. um, NRG DeMarcus Cousins, mm-hmm. um, DeAndre Ayton, just random players. Um, yeah, there's not really a lot, unfortunately. Yeah, I think the interesting, you'll see it with other sports, um, is what I just mentioned happened with the sim racing stuff. It's like the first week it was like, oh, this random Formula E driver who's like relatively popular and like one actual F1 driver and then like a reserve driver. And now we've got like former champions. We've got active drivers. Like I think if the NBA tournament is as successful as the sim racing stuff has been, you're going to start seeing these people pop on and play the bigger names because it's just yeah. good exposure for them. And it's good. Exposure I want to see, league. I want to see actual, I want to see a five, like five V five of NBA players playing 2k. That'd be awesome. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see two people playing against each other as it's kind of weird though. Cause I'll see someone's like, let's say I'll see a player streaming, but he won't be using his team. He'll mm-hmm. be using like a, a better team. Right. So that's, that's kind of weird, but I want to see a five man team of NBA players playing 2K against a five-man team of other NBA players. That'd be awesome. I think that would be really cool, and I think it would be even cooler if you could get the same teams as normal. So get like all like the, the Boston Celtics versus the, the New York Knicks and just have all five of them play. Yeah, that, or I, I think that'd be awesome. Or you could do all-star teams and just have my boys versus your boys. That'd be cool, too. Yeah, I think that'd be really fun, and that's one thing that's been getting interesting with like the F1 is I think today, yeah, Williams on the F1 event going on right now, they actually have their two active drivers driving the two Williams cars in the game. And then like McLaren has um, an X driver plus a current driver driving last week. It was like random content creator plus cricket star, like active driver plus indie car driver. Like it was, and it's starting to do that. So I think the success of this first one will line up because I think a lot of these people have this feeling like I'm in it to win it. Like, I'm not here to play games. It's not that big of a deal. Unfortunately, you are playing a game. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, once they see that it's pulling in big numbers, that it's good for the brand, that it's actually, you know, good for their personal brand and not just the the league brand, I think you start seeing them more likely. It's a different demographic, too. You're just getting more eyeballs on you. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I don't watch any of this stuff. I just, I just, I see it on Twitch and I'm, I'll click on it, but I mean, I don't know who any of these people are. I don't care. Mm. I don't, I don't watch F1 on whatever network it's on Fox sports or what what is it usually on? Uh, ESPN. Um, (laughs) okay. Could have fooled me. I wouldn't, I watch ESPN every day. The the times are weird though. So all, most of the races are overseas and they're at like usually 3 PM. So that's usually like, I'm usually getting up to watch races at like seven in the morning during the um, season yeah yeah or staying up overnight when it's in like japan or stuff Yikes. like that yeah not so, good 
Yeah, it's tough being an American F1 fan. Um, but, you know, I make it happen. So, cool. So, that's that's everything I had. Do you have any concluders, sir? Mm, no, I think that's everything. Um, play Valorant. Valorant in all caps. As Ryan has said, don't make that standard, please. Yeah, Just I, don't, I don't like that. It'll bother, it'll bother me forever. <laughs> awesome. So um, the socials are down in the thing. The GameZo stuff's up top. Check it out. we got the website, gamezo.co.uk. Follow us on Twitter. Um, we'll be back next Sunday, 2 p.m. on my channel, probably as long as things don't break. Um, back and better than ever. If not, it'll be on Ross's channel, which gets hosted on my channel, so it works out. Um, and yeah, keep in touch with us, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Play the intro music or the outro music. Ba-da-da.